Light night in the association. We've got both games covered for you. And Anthony Davis makes his return to New Orleans. We've got a new wrinkle in the booze that may be raining down. And injury returns on Wednesday night, including Kemba Walker, miraculously. We'll talk about it. It's the Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wednesday hump day, and we're here to get you through it. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast, and I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com, and I'm the host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. And I'm Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'm the host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. Let's get this out of the way. Two games were played in the NBA on Tuesday night. They were not particularly great games, but we're going to talk about them anyway. First, the Los Angeles Clippers demolish the Dallas Mavericks, 114-99. That's uh, a little bit of a closer score than it felt like. It felt like the Clippers were in complete control of this game the entire way. They were led by uh, Kawhi Leonard, who had 28 points, and Lou Williams had 21 off the bench. Paul George had 26. That's kind of like a big three for the Clippers. Luka Doncic held in check 22 points, about 14 of 16 from the line. He was a minus seven, seven turnovers, and he didn't have a whole lot of help, Jake. No, you know, this was him just kind of being forced to do a little bit too much. I was really excited for this game. Luke has been fantastic basically the past month, and it didn't quite live up to it because he just had to kind of do everything himself. Like you said, basically got no help. The next leading scorer on this team was Kristaps Porzingis with 15 points, but he was 4 of 13 from the field overall, so not the most efficient night for him. And Luca trying to do a little bit too much there kind of led to a lot of turnovers. The Dallas Mavericks were pretty sloppy in general overall. And, yeah, it just led to the Clippers having an easy night. Kind of hard to tell what was uglier, the Mavs or the Mavs uniforms. In I wanted game. to ask you about that. Uh, they grew on me. They did? Game. They did? Yeah, I kind of thought they – so when I first saw those, I was like, these are bad and I don't like them. And I also don't really know, you know, the, the ties to Dallas or if they're just trying to do something different that looks cool. But when I first saw him, I hated him. And then kind of seeing him actually in action, I kind of dug it a little bit, to be honest. Oh, uh, well, that's the end of this podcast. No, <laughs> I, no I, I just I don't like them. I thought they were I, I don't know what they were trying to do. It felt like they were trying to do something edgy, but it, it came off as generic edgy. Like the type of graffiti that you like saw. Yeah, it was just like it, it's. It comes off as a graffiti font rather than graffiti. Like if you want to do, if for some reason, and I don't know Dallas. I I don't know why graffiti would be the city edition. I thought the city edition was supposed to be something that honors the city somehow. Like the Celtics uh, city edition jerseys are ugly as all sin, but. At least they tried to do some sort of Irish thing, I guess. I'm kind of sick of the whole Irish theme, but whatever. At least I get it. But with Dallas, I, I, I just don't understand the the point. And again, it was it, it just looked like someone typed in like graffiti font, and that's what came up. There was no. It looked cartoonish more than anything. So anyway, maybe Luca ever leaves. Uh, Mark Cuban will write a letter to his fan base, to the season ticket holders with that font. <laughs> I like that. Like, that's a deep cut. I like that. Uh, yeah, there you go. The, uh, so 
I, I think my big takeaway from this, I got two big takeaways from this. Kristaps Porzingis just needs time. Like it's, it's a lot of people want to get on his case and he's playing com- very poorly, just completely poorly, but he's coming off a year out of the NBA. So you can't just plug him in and expect him to be great. He's, he's doing some things well. He's moving pretty well. Now he's just got to get his game together. And he's on top of coming back after a year off, he's on a new team. So that's going to take time. And the other thing was without any third star and without Porzingis playing like a second star, the, the Mavericks are so vulnerable to a team like the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George kind of sort of had like the, uh, dream team, uh, Jordan Pippen on Tony Kukoc where they were like, you know what? You're not going to do anything tonight. And, and basically they, they kind of shut down Luca to a degree. I mean, he, he's, he's so good that he was able to draw fouls and get to the line, but, Without getting to the line, I mean, four of fourteen shooting, zero of eight from three. He scored fourteen of his twenty-two from the line. Uh, the seven turnovers were really bad, and so Lucas still obviously a very special player. But when he's going up against a defensive team like the Clippers, who are focused on him and determined to not let them not let him beat them, he's got no chance. Yeah, you, you can't rely on Tim Hardaway Jr. a little bit too much to almost be the third guy, and he's been struggling pretty much all season long. And you also just can't turn the ball over against this Clippers team. They are brutal in transition guys that they have and can just get out and run. So you need to be crisp and sharp against them and the Mavs with, what, 20 turnovers on the night? I think it was, yeah, 20. Yeah. Just didn't have it. And they needed a superstar game from Luca. He's capable of doing that, and he will drag this team pretty far. But you can kind of see the upper level of the ceiling that they have this year in a game like this. So they lose. Shout out, by the way, to J.J. Barea, who woke up and was effective for a short stretch. You know, no pun intended. Sorry, J.J. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, that was no pun intended. But moving on, Denver Nuggets, 117-104 winners over the Washington Wizards. Just like the, um, the, the Clippers game, it was close. The Clippers went on a huge run in the second quarter to break their game open. The, uh, Nuggets went on a huge run in the second quarter to break their game open. They outscored the Wizards 39-24. And really the player of the game in this one was Jeremy Grant. Oh yeah, he, he was awesome off the bench. And at times this Nuggets team shows you that they're pretty deep. He had 20 off the bench. Monty Morris had 10. You had Mason Plumley giving you 15. That's enough to really swing games in your favor. And Nikola Jokic had kind of a very unusual line for him. Eight points, but 20 rebounds yeah. on the night and five assists. Um, usually see more scoring from him, but he didn't need it with everyone else kind of going out and hitting shots and he could just facilitate and just kind of clean up the boards for this team. Yeah. It felt like early on they were kind of going through the motions thinking they might just kind of easily cruise past a bad team and they, and they couldn't, but they, they went on a 25 11 run to go into the half up 64-47. Like I said before, Grant had 20 points on 7 of 13 shooting. He's he's a a reason why this team is playing well defensively. This was a season-high point-wise for Grant. Uh, It was a really nice pickup for them. This is a team in Denver where they're kind of like in a still in a prove-it-to-me kind of stage 
where I don't know that the rest of the uh, NBA is fully believing that they're as good as they are. But uh, they've got some games coming up where they can they can really prove it. I mean, I don't know how much more a thirteen and three team that's won six games in a row has to prove. But they, I, I still feel like like the Lakers are the top team in the East. People sit there and think, well, the Clippers are are because of the load management and they haven't had Paul George for the whole time. The Clippers are better than the Nuggets, and people are just kind of waiting for Houston and Utah to kind of step up, and that the Nuggets might slip a little bit, but. They're out there doing their work and and playing good defense and, and getting out in transition, and they did it again tonight. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why maybe you and I aren't fully convinced about this team a little bit, despite, again, they have a 13-3 and record, maybe we should be more convinced than we actually are, is you, sometimes you feel like some of their guys can be a little bit quiet when you wouldn't want to see that from there. Like, you could have boomer bust Gary Harris nights. Sure. And that can really sink that team if he's just off and not giving you a whole lot. And they kind of, you know, skated around it in a game like this one. He was four of 11 from the field, just one of six from three for 11 total points, but they were so good everywhere else that it kind of overcame all of that. But man, sometimes they had their guys that just don't show up at all. And that concerns me. So I maybe wonder long term about their consistency. But if you have a 13 and 3 record, you're still pretty consistent. So maybe it's time to start coming around on this Denver Nuggets squad. Yeah, I mean, if if you say they can't find their consistency, what happens when they do? Really? Uh, but you're right. That's like, a very good point. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I still I still get frustrated by Jokic, uh, and I I just I kind of have to get over it because he's so good. So, it, but like when he wants to be, uh, and the thing that drives me absolutely insane is when he turns the ball over and he just takes a foul to to stop a, a break like he shouldn't be giving up fouls like that um and then even worse is when he gets fouled or feels like he got fouled and he gets a frustration oh, foul he, he to, just so we can yell at the refs yep that's that's frustrating uh, jokic is maybe the best big man passer we've seen ever uh in the NBA. Uh and and maybe that's because Arvita Sabonis didn't play here in his prime, but regardless, he's still just magical. The things that he can do, the pass that he hit Jeremy Grant with, uh the no look pass to Jeremy Grant underneath for the dunk was just oh, chef's kiss. Mwah, perfect. Like that type of play, it's unreal that he can do that stuff in in his offense if he just committed himself in certain ways to to do that on a regular basis, he just gets so frustrated sometimes. And sure, you can even say that just for a good reason. But it's it's if I were sitting there as a Denver Nuggets fan, I'd I'd be frustrated by that because he can be so much better than he even is, and he's an MVP candidate as it is. So yeah, maybe that speaks to that consistency thing a little bit more. And like you say, if they ever get that going and become super consistent, you're looking at maybe the two seed in the Western Conference this year. Sure, sure. Uh, easily they they have a great chance at that. Speaking of MVP candidates, Anthony Davis is going back to New Orleans, and some uh, interesting comments about his return. We'll talk about that when we come back on the Locked On NBA podcast first. My bookie players, all of you from the past, the present, and the future, for this week only, 
MyBookie is offering you a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to 250 bucks. If you win, great. Congratulations. You've got extra holiday money to spend. If you lose, hey, congratulations too. MyBookie will give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's all no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player first-time customer, MyBookie welcomes everybody to come play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to bet and have lots of questions? No problem. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the entire process, and the best part is if you join now, you still have one last shot to take advantage of this incredible sign-up offer. Log in to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. Okay? You got this? You guarantee a deposit match and a risk-free bet for this week only. So if you're a true football fan and you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by, you can't lose. So make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train. And get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Well, the NBA season gave us a perfect day to podcast today, and Kyrie Irving ruined it. He ruined everything, man. We were going to have the perfect show. Like, when the NBA came to us this off season and was like, we know you guys host the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA. How about we do the return games on a Wednesday? We were like, yeah, definitely put sure. that in. Won't Thanks, Adam. Time. Right. Yeah, like... God, it was a group text with all three of us, and then it just got ripped. Yeah, yeah. So Kyrie Irving is not returning to Boston to play when the Nets are in Boston on Wednesday night. So boo to Kyrie Irving for taking that away from us. But we've got Anthony Davis going back to New Orleans to face the Pelicans as a member of the L.A. Lakers. We know the reaction he's going to get. It's not going to be good. I hate I Jake. I, I don't know if I'm reading the situation right. I think I think you've got it down uh, pretty well. They yeah. showed a promo for this game uh, the other day in the Smoothie King Center during a game, and just a picture of Anthony Davis on like the jumbo screen had booze from the entire arena raining down. So imagine him actually being there. It's going to be <laughs> even worse. It's going to be it's going to be merciless. He he burned that bridge pretty hard leaving. New Orleans in the way that we covered to death last season of kind of trying to strong arm his way out of New Orleans and force his way to the Los Angeles Lakers sooner than when the Pelicans were ready to trade him there. It was probably always the most likely destination. They just weren't going to do it during the season when so many variables like draft picks and things were in flux. Now that that all got shook out, they traded him during the off season. Pretty simple. But because of the that's all folks shirt that he wore to the final home game, <laughs> that he had a list but didn't have a list of teams he wanted to be traded to and like just couldn't handle kind of the negative reaction from trying to strong arm his way out has led fans having a very bad taste. They are chomping at the bit for this game to mercilessly boo him and probably swear at him as well. <laughs> um, so along these lines, like, 
I don't think anybody in their right mind expected them to the the fans to not boo Anthony Davis. Like I, I don't think anybody if if you followed the entire saga along, first of all, fans don't like it when their star player demands a trade. They don't like that when when he leaves. They don't like it when they leave in free agency. So that in, in, is going to elicit some boos no matter what. Uh, they don't like the way it happens because he came out and demanded the trade and, and there were a lot of demands around that demand and going to the Lakers, a, a rival in the West, not great. So I understood everything that was going to happen on Wednesday night. But then Ramona Shelburne comes in. Do you have the quote? Yeah, I have it here. So, again, everyone was upset with the way he forced his way out. Had he just said, I'd like to be traded and left it at that, I don't think you would see the same type of reaction that you're going to see on Wednesday. If he had approached it like, let's say, Paul George, who during the offseason, not with a year and a half left on his deal, said, I'd like to go somewhere else, figure it out, and was just kind of quiet about it and did it, and there were no leaks regarding it. That trade kind of surprised us all. That was not the case with what happened here in New Orleans with Anthony Davis. But Ramona Shelburne on Mason in Ireland, which I think is an ESPN radio station out there in Los Angeles, said, and here's the quote, and it goes, quote, part of the reason why New Orleans didn't want to trade him for so long is because they couldn't get fair value for him. But I think the idea that a black agent was telling, not asking, Telling the team you should trade him and he wasn't going to stay did not go over well in New Orleans, especially with, I don't want to say that fan base, but like you're down in the South, man. This was very charged. And I think that, went, uh, and I think that when things got ugly emotionally like that, it's not just about what's going on on the court. It's not just about the moves being made. End quote. This is. That's a take. It's tough to talk. It's a take. It's tough to talk about these things. This is a almost dangerous sweeping generalization of a fan base. Just saying that it's the South, so a black agent and a black player wanting out is going to make, make people mad because the South is racist. Again, is a dangerous generalization. If she went on to compare it to the Paul George situation, saying he has a white agent. You didn't see the kind of same vitriol with everything and all the stuff that happened, and they moved him shortly after his request. But they're not comparable situations. Not one was at all. The, middle of the season, one was the off season, one was a year and a half left on his deal versus one year left on his deal. You can't compare the two, and I think this is making almost a claim that is not right, and it, in a way is damaging to people who do experience racism, and that's not the case here. There is a world, a universe, a timeline where Anthony Davis shows, I want to be traded, and the team moves him. The initial reaction here in New Orleans was not burning his jersey or being angry. It was, yeah, general manager Del Demps, who is black, failed him, and the team failed him, and they weren't able to put a, a winner around a guy who's a top five NBA player. So we all understand that he wants out. That was the immediate reaction. It was when stuff started to get ugly coming from his camp and everything else that the tables kind of turned, and that's why you're going to get booze. But if he had just left it originally, he might get cheered tonight in the Smoothie King Center when he makes his return. But because of how it went down, that's not going to happen, and they're not going to boo because I think it's not a racist fan base like that. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're looking at this realistically – 
Are there racist fans there? One hundred percent. Sure. There are, there are racist fans in every city. Um, there are, there's racism in America. So there's, there's a, a difficulty here that by painting this as a racist situation, it, it takes away to your point, the, I think the actual racist situations that happen on a regular basis, like, I think, I think it kind of like, when you reduce, no, when you yeah. reduce something like this down to just racism, um, it, it takes, it gives the people who, who pretend that racism doesn't exist, it takes the people, it takes them and it's, it gives them ammunition to say like, oh, look at, look at them crying racism again, like, blah, blah. Like, I don't, I don't think that the overarching storyline here is a race-based hatred for Rich Paul and Anthony Davis. Uh, any distaste for Rich Paul, is there, again, are there people who hate Rich Paul because he's black? Probably. Like, I'm not going to be stupid and say there aren't. But I would say that just looking at it from afar, as as being a guy who covers a team that was involved in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, like I I didn't like any of the way it was handled. I didn't like the way the entire process was handled. It, there was, and and look, he did do what his client wanted, and he did it by you know doing what he had to do. So great if that's if if you're willing to take the barbs at, and being, um, uh kind of making unsavory type of moves, unsavory type of demands and saying he's only going to this city. And if he goes here, he's, he's going to like, it doesn't matter which agent says if, Hey, if you trade for him, he's not going there. People are going to be like, Hey man, like what's wrong with my city? It's just off putting to fan bases around, around the NBA. So, uh, to me, it feels like Ramona and I, I respect all of Ramona Shelburne's work. But, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It feels like somebody who is kind of parroting a line that the agent is selling and doing it because this is how you get access to Rich Paul clients. And if you're not, if you kind of tow that line out there and you kind of throw what he's selling out there, then guess who's going to get the sit down with LeBron or Anthony Davis that no one else is going to get? It's going to be Ramona Shelburne. Cause she did right by Rich Paul. That's, that's what it smacks of here. And what really sucks is you're throwing out a really, really serious charge in that effort. And, and that's what I don't like about it. Yeah. That's my read on this situation as well, that this is more done to kind of maybe help Anthony Davis control the narrative about what's going to happen in the smoothie King center when these two teams play, uh, because he's going to get, booed and he's shown during the trade negotiations during last season and the way he handled the media and I was there for a lot of it firsthand he was uncomfortable with how everything was shaping out he was uncomfortable being the villain and just didn't kind of own the fact of what he was doing and I agree with you Rich Paul is a very good agent and brutally effective and Mm -hmm. has tactics that rub people the wrong way but he doesn't care about that because he cares about getting what his clients want which in this case was getting Anthony Davis to the Lakers. It works. You might 
get people to hate you for it, but I don't know if they hate him in a racist sense because he's black. I think it's the tactics that he uses that he's kind of coming in and disrupting the way things have kind of all always gone, and maybe people are more uncomfortable with that. Now, you can look at the it's, – it's when Ramona Shelburne says, I don't want to say – and it's in quotes – that fan base – that fan base being New Orleans and the implication that it's the South and a racist fan base, I think, is also a dangerous thing. Chris, Chris Paul forced his way out of New Orleans. He was cheered when he returned. The city has been through that before, and there's never been any incidents in terms of racism with this fan base in the NBA and with players. So just these accusations kind of strike me very wrong, very dangerous, and just a way to control the narrative with Anthony Davis, and it, I don't know, it, it, being the New Orleans guy, I'm a little bit more biased in all of this, uh, and Homer-ish, maybe biased isn't the right word, Homer's with all of this, but I just, I don't like any of this, she doubled and tripled down on it when I listened to the thing, uh, you can't really walk this back, and there's just no basis for it whatsoever. So we'll leave it at that, I think we've said what we've got to say, we're going to take a break, come back, returns to the NBA from injury, Chris Middleton and Kemba Walker of all people, we'll talk about that when we come back in the Locked On NBA podcast. The Boston Celtics announced on Tuesday that Kemba Walker is probable for a return on Wednesday against the Brooklyn Nets, which may seem amazing to you if you saw him get carted off the Pepsi Center floor on Friday night on a stretcher after taking a very serious hit head-on straight into the chest of an oncoming teammate, Shemi Ojale. I was there. I saw it. I saw him get carted off. It was a scary scene, but the doctors say that he's lucky, that there's no structural damage, there was no concussion. He They put him through... Uh, a, they didn't put him into the NBA concussion protocol, but they put him through the same steps as the concussion protocol, and he has cleared every step up into, up till and including practice on Tuesday. So really, the only thing between probable and available is him waking up on Wednesday and feeling good. Uh, I don't know if you saw the injury. I'm sure you saw the clips, Jake. I am stunned and amazed that a guy who was carted off on a stretcher on Friday, he wanted to play on Monday. And they sat him out just as a precaution. He could have probably play, played. And now he looks like he's going to play on Wednesday. It's just stunning. Yeah, this this was scary to watch. I didn't watch it live. And you were there so you can kind of get the feel for like the, the mood and everything going on around it. But I saw everything after. It was terrifying. I don't think I've ever seen someone kind of like carried off a court like that. And... It was really scary. So to hear that he's making a return or that he could have played sooner is very surprising to me. But I think we've kind of seen they take health in the NBA very seriously, and he wouldn't be out there playing unless he was fully ready to go and they weren't worried about him whatsoever. But it's shocking to see him back. It's going to be just stunning to see him back on the court. Yeah, I mean, look, I I saw him quick carted off. It happened in the second quarter. And then I, I went into the in the back at halftime, and I see Brad Stevens kind of trying to run around and, and get to the ambulance to see how Kemba was doing. Afterwards, he said Kemba kind of had his wits about him by the time he was in the ambulance. The team doctor on Monday before the game against the Kings laid out the entire process. 
uh, it, it involved a lot. Like they, there were doctors in Denver that did all of the testing and cleared him and let him travel back with the team the next morning. There was the team doctor in Boston, a separate spine surgeon that they came to, and then another spine surgeon that separately, independently reviewed all of the results and confirmed those results. And then, like I said, the concussion protocol testing, even though he didn't have to officially enter the concussion protocol, they did all of that stuff just out of an abundance of caution. And so it was just, I mean... Brad Stevens called it a minor miracle, and and I really do agree. The way he hit, the way his neck compressed, the way he went down, uh, and all of that, it was just, uh, it's amazing to see. And, and sometimes guys just get lucky, and it seems like Kemba Walker kind of got lucky on that one, and we're all happy that he did. Uh, Chris Middleton is coming back from injury. He was expected to miss three to four weeks with a, uh, a thigh contusion, and He's going to be back after missing two weeks. So that's good news for the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks who have won eight games in a row without him anyways and sit atop the Eastern Conference. So the rich get, get richer, uh, on top of the East there. Yeah, that was my initial reaction was, oh boy, they're just going to be better than they already are riding an eight game winning streak and basically just dominating teams while he's been out. Um, but this just makes life a little bit easier for Giannis in case Giannis has an off night and doesn't go for 50. You have a guy who can kind of take up the slack from some of these other guys. Middleton's averaging 18.5 per game, 5.7 rebounds, basically three assists. So pretty good number. He's also shooting almost 40% from three. Getting him back on the court just probably vaults them up the top of the Eastern Conference more so than they've already been. And this Bucks team's still going to be scary as long as they've got Giannis and now more complimentary <laughs> about him. Like, like you said, rich get richer. Like this, it's also in a season where there's a ton of injuries. It's just nice to see guys like Kemba coming back and Middleton coming back ahead of schedule. We're not used to seeing this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of nice to see guys. Recovering quickly and, th- and injuries not being as serious as expected. Um, Middleton, his numbers look, look okay. He's kind of been up and down shooting. He's had some good shooting nights. Then, then he's had, he's followed them up with some bad shooting nights. So I think for Milwaukee, just getting him back in the floor, letting him work back in, they can, they can afford to bring him back slowly. They can afford to say, Hey, let's, let's limit your minutes. Let's bring you off the bench for a little bit. Let's get you in a groove because everything else has been working so well. Let's, let's let you just work against some second units. Let's get your shot down, your touchdown a little bit. And, uh, because going back to Team USA, Middleton had been struggling a little bit. So to, to get that consistency back and get him back to that, kind of all-star level is is pretty important obviously for the bucks and that being able to do that slowly would be kind of beneficial let him work a little bit with Giannis. let him get his stuff together uh that's that's going to be really nice and you get the top two seeds getting key players back the celtics still waiting on gordon hayward to get back too which could happen in a couple of weeks they're sitting there uh in the in the uh, second spot tied with miami at 12 and 4 they're, they're close to full strength again. So, uh, that, that's going to be a, a nice, a nice couple of weeks for the people of Boston. So good news there. Good news for you. This podcast is over. 
I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it enough. If you're not a regular listener, if you're one of our Locked On Celtics or Pelicans listeners, just go ahead and subscribe to this show. We've got a rotating crew all week long, so check it out. You can give us a good five-star rating, a good written review. That would always help as well. As always on Wednesday, I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I'm the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast at Nola Jake on Twitter. David Locke's got Thursday's show. Stick around for that. Here, Locked On NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network.